20 years ago this month, a gang of thieves in London attempted what would have been one of the biggest robberies in history. The Millennium Dome uh, was hosting the De Beers Diamond Exhibition. And this included the Millennium Star, which was considered one of the most perfect gems in the world. And all of the diamonds together in that exhibition would have been worth something like £350 million. But during the, the morning rush hour of November the 7th in the year 2000, four gang members inside a JCB smashed through the perimeter gate and then battered through a set of steel uh, delivery doors. Inside, they threw smoke grenades and then they started to attack the cabinets where the diamonds were on display. But these thieves didn't get away with anything because the police had discovered their plan and armed officers were all lying in wait. They arrested all of the gang members, including their getaway driver who was actually in a waiting speedboat. And even if they had managed to escape, these thieves would have ended up with nothing because authorities had already uh, swapped out the diamonds for glass fakes. If you want to stop a robbery, knowing where and when it will happen really helps. If you know all of those details, then it's easy to be prepared for that. Now this is kind of like what the church in Thessalonica wanted to be able to do. As we thought about last week, they'd heard that Jesus was coming back for them. And they knew that it was essential to be ready for that day. And so they thought that the best way of being ready for that was to be able to know exactly when Jesus would come back. And But in this next section of this letter, Paul reminded them that this was actually impossible. They couldn't know when Jesus was coming back. Instead, he urged them always to be ready. So this morning we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1 down to verse 11. Now brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, Destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as breastplate and the hope of salvation as a, as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. In last week's section, Paul taught 
uh, this church a lot of details about the day of the Lord's return. But Paul wasn't trying to answer all the questions that they could have. He wrote in verse 1 of our reading this morning that about times and dates we do not need to write to you. Down through the years, many people have written and spoken about the times and the dates of Jesus' return. They thought that if they knew exactly when Jesus was going to come back again, then they could be prepared for it. In the middle of the second century, a guy called Maximilian, he declared that after me, there will be no more prophecy, only the end of the world. Then in the 12th century, a monk called uh, Jehoiakim of Fior, he calculated that there would be an apocalyptic climax to world history in 1260. Then later, thousands of people believed a guy called William Miller when he predicted that the Lord would return in October 1844. And when that didn't happen, many people suffered what, what they called the Great Disappointment. But still, that did not stop the predictions. The Jehovah Witness group, they have made numerous predictions about Jesus' return from 1877 right through until 1975. And then more recently, a Christian radio show host called Harold Camping, he claimed that the Lord would return on May the 21st, 2011. But of course, they were all wrong. And that's because the timing of Jesus' return is unknown. This is what Paul says in verse 2 of our reading. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. A thief doesn't announce when they will arrive. They come without warning because they don't want people to know when they're going to break in. And likewise, Jesus has not announced the time of his return. He will also come without warning. This is what he said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Nobody can predict when Jesus will return, because only the Father knows. Nobody else. And so it's a complete waste of our time to speculate about times and dates of Jesus' return. And it's a pointless distraction to read books or websites or watch videos of those who claim to know. Because they don't know. Nobody knows, only the Father. The timing of Jesus' return is unknown. But that doesn't mean that we should just ignore that day completely. Paul, sorry, Peter, he wrote about people who had been deceived into thinking that this day, the day of Jesus' return, would never come. 
They said this, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 4. Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning. They were scoffing about the fact that Jesus had not returned yet, so he wouldn't come. But even though we don't know when it will happen, we know that this day is coming. And it's absolutely essential that we get prepared for it. That's because, verse 2 says, the day of the Lord will bring judgment that many people don't expect. This phrase, the day of the Lord, that you see back in the Old Testament that that's talked about a lot by the Old Testament prophets. It is a period of God's righteous intervention in history. When God will come and rescue his people, but he'll also come to judge the world and to punish the nations because of their sin and their rebellion against God. And Paul warned us here that many people will be completely unprepared for that day. He said this in verse 3, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. People will think that they are safe. They will be going through about their everyday lives feeling happy and content. But then destruction will come suddenly and unexpectedly. This is what Jesus said about that day in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 to 39. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the the days of the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. God's judgment on this world will come in an unexpected way, just like it came on the world in Noah's day. But God's judgment on the world is also unavoidable. Paul said, verse 3, that this destruction will be like labour pains on a pregnant woman. Now when Kerry was born, a number of years ago, Lorna went into labour really suddenly. We were in town, I think it was it, we were at the bank, and then we suddenly had to get down to Wexford. And within a few minutes of arriving in Wexford Hospital, Kerry was born. Labour came on Lorna really suddenly. But we really weren't that surprised by it. We didn't know it was going to be that day. But we knew that it was going to come. In fact, you could say that it was unavoidable. Once pregnancy has occurred, as long as everything proceeds properly, then labour is inevitable. And this is the same as for God's judgment. 
Yes, that day will come on this world suddenly and unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. But that day is unavoidable. God's judgment is coming. And for those who are unprepared, that is terrifying news. Because Paul said, verse 3, they will not escape. In Noah's day, as we're thinking about, when that flood came, many people were unprepared for it. They were happily going about their everyday lives, making plans, getting married, you know, thinking about their future. They were deceived into thinking that they were safe and secure. But they did not escape. The flood came and took them away. And it will be similarly tragic for those who are unprepared for the day of the Lord. Those who are living for themselves, those who are deceived into thinking that they are safe and secure, those who are thinking that they are in, they are in control of their destinies, who think that they are good enough and living good enough lives, they will not escape. In the city of Athens, Paul declared about God that he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Folks, please don't be deceived. The day of God's judgment on this world is coming. And we must be ready for it. So Paul didn't want his readers to be distracted by trying to fix the timing of Jesus' return. But he also didn't want them to be deceived into thinking that God's judgment wasn't coming on this world. But Paul didn't write this this part of his letter in order to distress his readers. He didn't want them to be afraid. He said, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. The unbelieving world will be surprised by the day of the Lord. That's because it's in darkness. They are ignorant of God. They are in rebellion against God. But this church, they wouldn't be surprised by this day. And they didn't need to fear it. That's because, as he said in verse 5, you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. These, these Christians, they had stepped into the light of God's truth. They had put their faith in the light of God's Son. And they'd already been saved out of that darkness. And they were already living in the light of the kingdom of God. So they didn't need to fear the day of the Lord. Because yes, it meant judgment for the world. But for them, it meant salvation. And they could be sure of this. They could be certain of this. 
They they were guaranteed this. Because this is what God had done in their lives. This is what God had decided. Look at verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get this? These people were not saved because of what they had done or because of what they would do. They were saved because God had appointed them to be saved. God did not destine them to suffer, to experience the wrath that their sins deserved, the anger that their sins deserved. Instead, God's sovereign, God in his sovereign grace and in his wonderful mercy, he had chosen them to be rescued through Jesus. And that is true for every one of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus. If we have repented of our sin and if we have put our trust in Jesus as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives, then we are children of light. We've been chosen by God not to suffer wrath, not to suffer the judgment, not to suffer the punishment that we deserve, but to experience God's salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we can celebrate, as Peter wrote, that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. But of course this morning, we also want to remember that this came at such a great cost. If you look at verse 10 in our reading, it says about Jesus that he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Jesus went to the cross where he became sin for us and he suffered the death that we deserved so that we could be completely forgiven by God, so that we could be declared righteous in his sight, so that we could be adopted into his family, so that we could be welcomed into his kingdom. And so, whether we live or whether we die, because of Jesus' death, we will live with him forever. We've not only been redeemed from slavery, we've not only been rescued from the coming wrath, we've also been reconciled to God. And we know that nothing and no one can ever separate us From God's love. So this morning folks. If we trusted in Jesus. We don't need to be distressed. About that coming day of the Lord. We are children of the light. And we can wait. Expectantly. 
for our Lord and Saviour to come back for us because he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So we don't need to be distressed by the coming day of the Lord because if we put our trust in Jesus then whatever happens in our lives we are ready to go to be with the Lord forever. But that doesn't mean that we should just sit back and relax and just wait for that day. Paul says in verse 5 and 6 of our reading, We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. The Christian life is not about trying to become someone that we're not through our efforts or through our achievements. Rather, it's about living out who we already are by God's grace. It's not about straining and struggling to try to become a child of God, but rather it's about living out our lives as a child of God, because that is who we are through what Jesus has done in our life. And so if through Jesus we've been rescued from that kingdom of darkness and we no longer belong to that world, then we should live differently from it. And Paul shows us how we should live here in three ways. First of all, we should not be drowsy. This world is spiritually asleep to what is happening. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. They are unaware of the danger to come. And like someone who is drunk, the world is unable to respond to it. They're just sleeping through life, heading to a lost eternity. But Paul called us to wake up, to be alert, as he says in verse 6. Be fully aware of our situation and to act appropriately to what is going to happen in the future. So we know that this world is heading for destruction. So we mustn't be fooled by what this world offers to us. And we know that people in this world, they're heading for destruction. They're heading for judgment. And so we're passionate about sharing the gospel, the good news of of God's rescue plan for them. And we know that Jesus is coming back for us one day. And so we're committed to living for him every day. That's how we live alert, awake to the reality of what is going to happen in the future. But is that how we're living? Are we living each day in the light of the day of the Lord? Or do we need to really wake up this morning? Wake up to the reality that Jesus is coming back someday. Secondly, Paul says we must not be defeated. We don't belong to this world 
And so we are living in hostile territory. We're in a spiritual battle. And we must be prepared for that. So Paul says in verse 8, Since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. If we belong to Jesus, then we can't just let our human desires and feelings rule our lives. We need to be self-disciplined. We need to stand against what we want and deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. And to do that, to be able to do that each day, we don't just need to wake up, we also need to dress up. This is what Paul says in verse 8 again. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. As Paul often did in his writings, he imagined here a Christian like a soldier. We are in a dangerous battle. And so we need to put our armour on. And what we need is faith and love and hope. Just as Paul talked about faith and love and hope of these Thessalonian Christians right at the start of our letter in chapter 1 verse 3. So a Roman breastplate covered uh, a soldier from his neck down to his waist, protecting most of his vital organs. And we need to put faith and love on as a breastplate. Faith in God protects our hearts from fear and guilt and shame as we hold on to our trust, our dependence on God. And love, love for God and for others that protects our hearts from the the self-centeredness, the selfishness that is just rampant in our world. And then like a helmet, protecting our thinking, we need to put on the hope of our salvation. The certainty that no matter what, we're going to be with the Lord one day. Folks, we are in a battle. And if we're not dressed properly, then we are going to be constantly defeated. Or we're going to be trip up, we're going to fall flat on our face, we're going to be led away from living each day for the Lord. So let's get our armour on. Let's put on that faith and love and hope. But then lastly, we must also not be discouraged. We don't belong to this world. We long for that day when Jesus is going to come back again. And he's going to take us home. And standing against the pressure of this world can be exhausting. It's so easy for us to get tired, to lose heart. To feel like giving up and giving in. And so we need encouragement. We need support. We need help. We cannot think that we, we mustn't think that we can do it on our own. (coughs) Excuse me. And that's what Paul 
had been bringing to this church. I don't know if you remember way back in chapter 2 of this letter, Paul said how that like a father, he was encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Paul, when he was with these Thessalonian Christians, he was there encouraging, comforting, urging them to live their life for Christ. But Paul wasn't there anymore. Paul had to move on. And so they needed to do this for each other. Paul told them, verse 11 of our reading, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. They couldn't stand on their own. So they needed to encourage each other. They needed to support each other. They needed to build each other up, edify each other, be there for each other. And we need to do the same. We need that encouragement from each other. And I know it's more, so much more difficult to do that these days in this, this, this pandemic and this time of social distancing. But we need to find ways that we can encourage you. Maybe with a text or a phone call or a visit outside if we're allowed to do that. Whatever we can do, we need to encourage and build each other up so that we can stand and we can live out our lives that we're called to live in the light of the coming day. So this is how we can always be ready for the coming of the Lord. First of all, don't be distracted by those who try to set times and dates because God's timing is unknown. Don't be deceived into thinking we can ignore that date because God's judgment is unavoidable. But don't be distressed by that day. Because if we've trusted in Jesus, then we will be saved. So don't be drowsy. Wake up to the reality of that day. And don't be defeated. Dress up so that we're prepared for the battle every day of our lives until Jesus comes back again. And don't be discouraged. But build each other up. So that we can keep on living as children of the light in this dark and this dying world. Let's pray. Father God, we really thank you. We really thank you that we today can look forward to that day when Jesus is coming back again. We can look forward in in a hope-filled expectation, Lord. Because we know that he's coming back to rescue us. He's coming back to bring us to himself. To save us. To, to, to hold us uh, to himself, Lord. Thank you so much for that wonderful uh, privilege that we have today. And I just pray, Lord, you'd help us. Help us to live in the reality of that day. Help us to live in the, in the confidence of that day, Lord. The, the joy of that day. The security of that day. Lord, help us not to be distracted by, by uh, trying to think about all of the times and the dates and worrying about all of those kind of details. But Lord, help us just to rest in the reality that you are going to come back one day. That, that Jesus is coming back for us at the right time. And Lord, in the, in the meantime, 
Lord, help us to live each day in that reality, Lord. Help us not to sleep through our lives. Help us to wake up, to get, to get ready for that day and to live each day in the light of that day, in the light of, of, of Jesus' return. Help us to get out there to share this glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to live each day that would be pleasing and honouring to you. Living self-controlled lives. Denying ourselves. Taking up a cross daily and following Jesus. But Lord, you know our weakness in this, Lord. You know our struggle in this. So Father, we pray that you will come and you will support us and you will encourage us in this by your spirit, Lord. As you promised. But Lord, also help us to encourage each other. Help us to support each other in this. Help us to stand with each other so that we as your people might live out our lives as you have called us and we might honour you and glorify your name until you come back again to bring us to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.